Welcome to Pilgrim Talk. And the internet's an amazing thing because I only knew two words of the whole verse. And you put the words in in a search box and you found the load. I found the whole thing straight away. So how about this? Could we with ink the ocean fill? Wow. Or were the sky of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To tell the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Wow. How about that? Wow, <laughs> wow. way to go. Wow, that's inspired. Because it just makes you think of the million upon million acts of God's grace. That's right. In, in countless, each of our yeah. lives. That's right. All the people and everything, all the ages, all the grace. Yeah, and us... Yeah. today but it, you see that theme coming even in the word of God many times it says as far as the east is from the west you know or as high as the heavens are above the earth both of them are infinite sort of amounts yes when does the east stop being east when you're traveling it never does you go around mm. in circles all the time hmm. so there's no end to the east there's no end to the west so it's an internal and it's an infinite uh, amount yeah speaking about the love of God yeah, um, yeah. so uh yeah, I mean, we, we'll never never get to the bottom of it. But the point is, I suppose, to walk with, to walk with God, we have to walk in, we walk in that grace. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, even in our unconscious mind, mm-hmm. um, or in our unconscious ways, we can struggle with that. We can struggle with walking in God's grace. Why? Because of our own inadequacies, our feelings of inadequacy, or what? Well, because because we feel that we ought to be doing something. Yeah, that's applying a standard, which is not God's standard. It's like using feet and inches when God's gone metric. Well, <laughs> well it's yeah. probably not a good example, but... It's, it, well, it's kind of like that, yeah. Um, and even more than that, I suppose, that... Um, you know that that all that we have is the love of God and the grace of God. That's mm-hmm. all we have. Yeah. I mean, what's what's your hope in at the end of the day? Well, it's hidden Christ. It's completely in Him. Yeah. Not in my own anything's. Yeah, and you know, and, and but we often talk about you know the purpose of God for our lives and that. And then we can start to think, well, you know, really, I have to be doing that to be pleasing to God. How am I measuring God. up? Yeah. How am I doing? Yeah. yeah. You know, and... Taking stock. And if my hope is in measuring up to God's purpose for my life, then my hope has shifted from the hope that I have in Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and then it becomes something performance-based all over again. Which is which is a recipe for disaster. You'll never achieve what you 
you know, God's best through efforts. Well, we just keep coming back to the, the same point where we've tried and tried and tried and we failed. Mm -hmm. And if we can be man enough or woman enough to stand up and say, I have failed, then we're in a good place. Come and say, <laughs> I am an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, because if we won't do that, then we're just going to go around the mountain another time with our own performance. I find it interesting, Dave, often people who suffer great injustices at the hands of others, do you know, their greatest priority is not a financial recompense or not necessarily to have the other guy locked in jail with the key thrown away, but it's to have them acknowledge the wrong they did, do you know. Mm. And, mm. and it often it's the hardest thing to extract out of people. Sometimes yeah. a genuine, remorseful sorrow for, for, for breaking law or whatever it is, or for, for hurting people. And, and yet, deep down, that's what people are looking for, just a simple acknowledgement of, yeah. of truth. And God's the same. He deeply desires people to repent, just to, to wake up, get off their high horse and just say sorry. Mm. You know, and he's ready to flood in the grace. Mm. You know? um, I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, we had the first covenant. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no doubt about it, but that covenant was... Uh, related to performance. Deuteronomy 28, you know, behold, I set before you this day. Oh, blessings and curses. Blessing. Actually, that might not be Deuteronomy 28. It is 28, one, yeah, or okay. 28 somewhere. And then he goes on to enumerate in detail what's going to happen if they keep the word and what's going to happen if they don't. There's if no they doubt keep all of the word. There's no doubt about it. It's performance-based. Yeah. And that system cracked on for generation after generation after mm -hmm. generation after generation yeah. and every in every generation what what did it prove it proved there were failures we couldn't do it yeah we couldn't do it and and god would be very entitled just to say okay well look i'm going to start on mars yeah. forget planet earth forget that lot mm -hmm. because it wasn't a failure of god's word do you know what in the in the old testament days there's actually there's more than one covenant in the old testament mm. god made a covenant with noah at the time of the flood and the covenant was god made was that i will never again uh, destroy the earth by water mm. and he put as the sign of the covenant a rainbow in the clouds okay mm. Mm. now the wild thing is this is this is kind of wild because there is a movie coming up next year uh, with Russell Crowe in it about Noah and the flood. Can't mm. wait to see it. But anyway, it's it, it, people say so often they say God is just a vicious and angry and cruel God. He destroyed the whole world. Well, now here's a few things people are forgetting. The first thing they're forgetting is it was actually their ancestor that was saved in the ark. That's the first thing they're forgetting. Okay. <laughs> this mm. next thing they're forgetting is is how God felt about it and I think if you closely read the scripture you see how grieved God was about the sin of mankind how he wanted Noah was a preacher of righteousness it said and people have done studies about the size of the ark and there was plenty of empty space hmm. and Noah preached for 100 years while he was uh, while he was building the ark hmm. now at least his sons and the sons wives believed him and came along you know hmm. but nobody else Mm. And, and the wild thing is God's desire was for others to be in the ark. 
Mm. But others rejected and, and abandoned God and everything. And God, with a broken heart, not only judged the world, but was so grieved by it that he promised he wouldn't do it again. Mm. You know, okay. and it's, it's kind of a wild thing, you know, because there's this balance about, well, I won't say balance, but, you know, God is a just God and there is judgment. But it breaks the heart of God to carry out the judgment. This is the point. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and it's an absolute last resort. Yeah. You know. And there's always a redemptive thread through judgment. Like we see Israel being judged down through the ages. Carried away to Babylon and all this. But there was always a redemptive thread in there. And a deep desire to bring them back and save them. And and, and it's like that was, a, that was a foreshadowing of what God was going to do with humanity considering the fact that we had failed to keep his word yeah what was god going to do what was god going to do you well what he did was he sent jesus well the, the rest before that day you must remember what he couldn't do was just throw away the old covenant well that's right and you know that comes into it all right but because he had to fulfill it which he did in christ yes um but that when he didn't have to do anything, when he could have started again on Mars yeah. and be totally justified in that, what did he do? He sent Jesus. And um, he sent Jesus to instigate mm-hmm. a new covenant. That's right. And yeah. we look at Hebrews and we see very closely reasoned argument as to why the new covenant Mm-hmm. was you know was superseded the old covenant um but the the very beginning of the new covenant was god doing something unilaterally because nobody nobody prayed that jesus would be sent mm. nobody prayed that the, the lamb of god that was going to take away the world would come yeah Nobody prayed, nobody, nobody earned the right to stand before God and ask for a new covenant. Mm. God did this unilaterally, absolutely. He started it, he initiated it and he fulfilled it. Yeah. Out of his own character. Mm. And so the new covenant began in God's grace. Yeah. And so is the new covenant going to begin in God's grace and then take us back? To God's law. No. See, see, this no, is what he talks about in Hebrews. Well, he says, regulations the way they go back to the law. Yeah. 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 So where the new covenant comes in, and in, uh, he talks about in Hebrews, then the old one has passed away. But why, David O'Rourke, is it this way that so many people in Ireland, they meet Jesus, they get born again, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they get excited about the things of God. They know they're forgiven. They walk in this grace we're talking about. And then fast forward five years and they're in a church and they're depressed and they're under pressures and obligations and the life has gone out of them. Why, Dave? Well, you just said it right there. The life has gone out of them. Yeah. That all, because what, what we gain in the new covenant is a relationship. That's what we gain. In the new covenant, by God's grace. Yeah, but to be blunt about it, Dave, it's, it's, it's as if people in um, 
you know, if people in leadership or in churches sort of allow people this free-spirited sort of life in them. Mm-hmm. And over time, they put loads in their backs. Now, look, I'm not, this. not every church is like this. But I'm just saying, uh, maybe people bring it on themselves. Maybe, maybe they just, in their own relationship with God, they cool down a bit. And then naturally they fall into the... The, their insecurities and their works and trying to please God that way mm. you know mm. but uh, you know am I right in saying that this ain't ever going to change without an outpouring of the Holy Spirit anytime there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit the life the life comes back meter, the life, life meter happens. <laughs> the life meter goes up of course it does yeah and when, the, when you know when we're involved in a relationship this is something that I've I've discovered just so wonderfully yeah. is, you know, um, with things that I struggle with and, you know, things maybe you struggle with, yeah. we all struggle with stuff, mm-hmm. um, that the power, the power to be an overcomer with these things is there mm. when we're in relationship. Yeah. yeah. It's like when, you know, when you're experiencing fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit and that's, that's and, when it happens yeah you know his love is you can you can know sense feel experience yeah. his love that's what changes us yeah that's what I've been I've been us. thinking Dave about worship you know because I, I do involve myself sometimes a bit a little bit of worship and I've seen good worship and bad worship you know and I, I it's suddenly the penny dropped now it shouldn't have this penny should have dropped a long time ago but the way to worship is is individually you just need to worship God. You know, it's not about leading a song with good musical skill. That's nothing to do with it. Mm. You know, because mm. I've seen people who musically aren't great, singing they aren't great, but their heart, mm. they connect with God when they start mm. leading worship, mm. you know. Mm. And and then it's there's a real ease of following and joining that worship, you yeah. know, and connecting with God through that. Yeah, and uh, you know, so for me it was a lesson when I realised that you know I, I learned to wor- learn to worship more myself directly with God, you know, and then if I'm asked to lead something in a meeting, let that be an outpouring of my personal relationship with God. Yeah, because you can't fake it, can you? Well, you can't. You know, and, you know, I know from being in a meeting now, I I wouldn't be, you know, anything along the lines of a worship leader. Yeah. at all um, but anytime I'm in the meeting and there's somebody who's leading worship there yeah. and they're doing what just what you said there just just allowing their relationship with the Lord to yeah. to be right there that's what you that's what you yeah. you connect to yeah and then your relationship with the Lord yeah. is connected to to that and and then all of a sudden you have a room full of people who are united yeah. in their relationship with the Lord. And <coughs> yeah. it's amazing and it's wonderful. It's wild. It really is. But uh, we're going to have to leave it here. Time's run out again. Thanks for listening to Pilgrim Talk. David O'Rourke. That's David O'Rourke. That's you, David. <laughs> I'm not David. I'm Anthony Brabison. God bless you all for listening and tune in next time.